0: hi hello i'm julian
1: and i am
0: tom and we are team bench and we are here to talk about the rings of power episode seven which is called the eye and i'm gonna ask this at the top tom shouldn't the eye have Mm -hmm. been the last episode title because they spend like five minutes stabbing that orc in the eye and you'd think (laughs) that's where the name should come from Because I got to be honest, I don't, other than some blindness, some casual blindness that happens, spoiler, sorry, I don't know why this one's (laughs) called The Eye. Why is this one called The Eye? I'm kind of just...
1: I don't know either, man. Like, I mean, we know The Eye in this series is The Eye of Sauron. Uh, We don't get any sort of Sauron clues or anything like that. All we get is the little Mordor sequence at the very end. But yeah, I'm I'm not sure there's deeper meanings that we're just too dumb to get. Okay, well,
0: for those of you that know why this episode's called The Eye, we'll stop here, and you can email us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. It should be called The Eyes, and then crossed out, and then parentheses, <laughs> she can't see anymore, surprise. Also, we like those dumb reveals where you think you're looking at someone, but you're not. We do it to you seven times in the episode. End parentheses. That's what this episode should be called. (laughs) Anyways, T-shirt. I'm super excited to talk about episode seven. I would put here's where I would rank the episode so far. Episode six Mm -hmm. is my favorite. Episode one through five and episode seven are all in last place. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I'm at. I apologize. (laughs) I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and bring some lasso as we talk about this. Let's kick it off. So what is it? I mean go this ahead.
1: this is a slower one. Like we got all the cool battle, the adventure, the sequences, that kind of culmination of the first handful, but have you not enjoyed the rhymes? Has it been too many storylines? Are there storylines that just kind of like make you want to look at your phone while you're watching? Like what what's your big gripe? You can't throw that sort of uh, bombshell out there without defending it.
0: I think my big gripe is this, is there is very little substance to this show from the sense of what I got out of like the Lord of the Rings series and like reading Mm -hmm. those, watching those movies, the themes. This show feels like we took a world that was created, we took elements of it, and then we just like we took a mishmash of every fantasy adventure kind of thing. We threw it all together. You know, you're going to mm-hmm. cauterize a wound. We're going to put a stick in your mouth. We're <laughs> going to have someone like uh, perish in a house fire while saving some people, which isn't really a great like. Oh, Isildur's dead because we know Isildur's not dead. We we know Isildur mm-hmm. uh, comes back there's not even really a big bad at this point. Like we have Adar Mm -hmm. who leads these orcs, but the show is pitching to us that the orcs are just people too, like without a home. Like they're trying to make them sympathetic. So I don't really know who I'm rooting against. And I know the big thing is like, (laughs) oh, who is Sauron? It's kind of like, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know that I care. Like I, I'm, there's. I don't know. I, I, I there is, and I feel like they're trying to do things. Oh, I don't want to just come out and complain, Tom. I shouldn't have started this way. I apologize, but I, I do think they're just like. There's certain things they do in the show that they're trying to like evoke emotional response from the audience, but they haven't earned it. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So no, I I, I'm still enjoying it. It looks like it looks great. I would be complaining a lot more and I wouldn't be enjoying it if the acting was bad and it looked bad Mm -hmm. and like there were all these other things. Uh, But I constantly find myself trying to divorce my feelings of the Lord of the Rings, Tolkien's world, and then what this show is doing. And like sometimes the light shines through (laughs) to use some Tolkien. Uh, (laughs) Ring (laughs) Ring of powers is like really dark, but every once in a while... Uh, some light of what I liked about Lord of the Rings shines through. So that's my, I don't know. Does that make sense? I, and I don't know. Uh, I am trying not to just beat it up, but. I, no,
1: I think I'm I with know. you. Like you had mentioned, like you started trying to read the Summerillion and now it's very dense and it's more just like world building and setting up kind of what happened in the second age and first, is it just second age or first no, age too? it's or first I don't
0: know? and then it rolls into second. And it reads okay. like a fun history book.
1: Yeah, but it, I, I do feel, to your point, it, it does some of it comes across like fan fiction almost, where they're just kind of taking the source material that is so dense and so amazing, and the writing has been, in my opinion, pretty poor. I and mean, we've kind of called it out as we've watched, but I agree, the acting, um, the set pieces, like the money that they put into the show is saving it and it's propping it up against a lot of other fantasy shows that... I would have probably checked out by now, but I also do wonder how this show is received by a non like Lord of the ring audience. People that are just, Hey, I want to watch a fantasy show and pop into this. Like, is the Southlands changing to Mordor at the end cool or is it cheesy? <laughs> uh, is the idea of <laughs> sure. Sauron, uh, you know, not being shown yet. Cool or cheesy is the dying. Like a cool element. That's like, you know, forcing the audience to think about, Oh no, what's Elendil. Deal Um, How's he going to handle this? Um, And I would argue he handles it very poorly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll get to it. But I am with you. This definitely hasn't been like the sweeping broad series that I was kind of hoping this would be. You know, we're doing episode seven here. We've got one more. We can see how they kind of tie it up and how they're going to set it up for a season two. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think overall I've definitely been a little disappointed. Well, okay. Okay. And then,
0: let me make this. And this isn't like I am at a point where is there a character in this show that I like love and am rooting for? And I feel like they are trying to take the original series and like take characters from that and kind of give them a different version in this story. And they're hoping mm-hmm. that that the emotional, Weight of like Aragorn being a king or like the heir to a throne coming into power is like our Halbrand. And so they're almost mm-hmm. like, hey, we're not gonna like you love Aragorn, you love Vigo Mort- Mortensen. Do I love Halbrand and the guy that plays Halbrand? I don't think I've seen him like he pops into the show, he's a main character, but like, is there enough substance there for me to love him? I don't know. Galadriel is like by far the coolest character and the character you do want to root for but i don't know that she's always the most likable character in <laughs> in in yeah. in this and then like you take so you fall in love with like frodo and sam's journey and like the emotional weight of that and they're trying to do this thing with like Nori and Poppy where like Poppy is the Samwise to Nori which mm-hmm. uh, i don't feel the same way about nori that i did about frodo and frodo and sam i guess i just feel like the show is like assuming the audience is going to care about these things because mm-hmm. of maybe the history we have with the world uh tolkien's world but i don't feel like it's earned it in a certain way if if that makes sense it's kind of like, yeah, like i think we talked about this the raptor blue and jurassic park like the creators are overestimating how much we care about some of these characters because they have not done the job to like make us love them. And mm-hmm. it's just funny with like the vitriol of the internet. You can like, you're either like got to love this or you got to hate it. And then you got to feel like you, I don't know. It, it's, it's like those people that half <laughs> half heartedly like support a politician because it's their only option. They're just like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's he's great, right? He's great and and it's it's kind of like, you know, the show as you just mentioned, like it stands up on how beautiful it is, how well acted it is. It it is all these things, but I think where it loses me is just in terms of like the story and the writing and just some of the things it does like for a cheap kind of emotional play. And so mm-hmm. All right, here we go. We start in the Southlands where Galadriel, our favorite character, awakens in a chili powder storm. It's all <laughs> over everything and especially her beautiful eyelashes.
1: Mm, man, this is a very intense close-up, but I loved this sequence. Like, I, This is, again, one of those I wish they didn't show us in the trailer, like the red filter they put on this how much like ash is caked on not just her eyelashes and they do the mega close-up but like all of her armor and everything it is such a cool cool visual that i wish this was kind of more of a surprise
0: i agree uh did you little known fact all that powder is actually white it's cocaine but they use a red <laughs> lens to change all of that cocaine into chili powder mm. that is yeah. a little I known fact that mm, I flashes. came up with on the internet, and I am going to make true. <laughs> There's a horse on fire. It runs by. They're like, <laughs> the guy watched, uh, <laughs> the guy, uh, spoiler, or wait, no, trigger warning for those of you that hate horse fires. Um, someone saw... <laughs> fire horses. <laughs> fire horses, sorry. Someone saw, saw Saving Private Ryan recently, and they were like, oh, let's have someone in the background on fire. And so they were like, not a person, let's do a horse and i thought this show
1: had established that they're anti-horse injury they literally showed a horse getting tripped up and then you know getting back to its feet and gently walking away yet this episode they have a horse i think two horses on fire
0: yeah i think it's one of those things where they they heard the criticism they listened to our podcast um (laughs) after this episode had already aired and they went back and they were like set that horse on fire and set that horse on fire um, and also, I think we were guy. like Asildur's our favorite. A crawling around, Asildur's our favorite character, and they were like, "All right, we're going to burn him in a house." And they were like, "Wait, but doesn't <laughs> he have to come back in like the main story of Lord of the Rings?" And they're like, "Oh, we'll deal with it later, old twin brother <laughs> Asildur, uh, which is spelled <laughs> slightly differently." Uh, there's a lot of dead people laying around in the chili powder. Uh, Theo lives, and so does that haircut um despite mm. being covered in red cocaine his haircut has not improved <laughs> which someone tom where are you at on haircuts if someone has a really bad haircut are you the type <laughs> of person that's gonna let them know if you and theo were friends at some point would you be like hey man go get me the shears i'm gonna help you out like i think i can do <laughs> some good here
1: listen if theo likes it then that's all that matters doesn't matter what I think.
0: See, I don't, I don't agree with that because the majority of the time a haircut has to be looked at by other people, not yourself. Like you see your haircut a couple times a day in the mirror. Like you wash your hands, whatever, when you're brushing your teeth. But really a haircut's for other people because we have to stare at your dumb haircut. Not your. You have a lovely haircut, Tom. Sorry. I did not mean to say that. Moving on. Uh, your wife told me to tell you that you have a dumb haircut. I apologize. Just the messenger. Don't be mad at me. Um, Asildur and Muriel save Valin Deal? Do we know this character's name? Valin something? Valin, I don't care. What is it? Big V. V Big V. V The big. hmm, I don't think you can say the big V (laughs) on a family podcast. Um, we've established (laughs) this as a podcast for children uh, and families. Um, uh, our boy Antanamo, Geronimo Antanamo, mm-hmm. does not make it. Um, thank you for this showing up, actor.
1: Oh, it was. Oh, go like, on. Please yeah. tell me. Yeah, this, this got me, like, right when they, because he was, like, trapped under Valendil, and he was, like, kind of, like, saying Antanamo's name, like, so you didn't really know what was going on, but he was trying to save him under there, even though he had passed, and, like, once he rolls over and you see his face, like, I audibly said, like, oh. Like, I feel like it was just kind of tropey, though. Like, he was the actor that in the last scene or the last episode was like, no, oh, man, I can't fight. I'm going to stay here and set up uh, set up some roots. And then, of course, next episode, dead.
0: Yeah, no, this is what happens to deser- deserters. they have houses fall on them. Asildar <laughs> uh, dies in the fire in a similar way. He's helping out some people. Very heroic. Um, this is the same time where Ash flies into Muriel's face. But I think she's going to be
1: fine. Did this seem weird to you? Like, the idea of, like, just a little bit of, like... I feel like it needed to be more forceful or something. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what can cause you to go blind. But rewatching the episode, it just seems like a little hits on her face for her to go completely blind. Uh, I wish I would have done more with it. I think you can go blind
0: pretty easily. Um, once again, it's a family podcast, so I can't say it. But when I was a teenager... <laughs> I know that there's a certain activity you're not allowed to do because it can cause blindness. So uh, that's why. Sitting too I, close to the TV. My, right. Yes, that's the one. Too close to the TV, too many times a day. Um, but that's why my eyesight's sharp as an eagle. Um, and probably why I'm so frustrated. Um, anyways, the uh, I, I, I just want to bring this up and we'll... Talk about it at some point during this podcast. But I, I think it's a weird thing for them to be like, oh, Isildur dies. Because we know Isildur doesn't die in the grand scheme of of the whole story. So I mm-hmm. think this is a little bit weird. I also don't like what this show does where it's like, Isildur's not living through that. Like, when they bring him back at some in some <laughs> scene where we're all supposed to be like, oh, he's back. When him and Ellen deal hug... I'm going to be like, no, rewind the tape because that barn was on fire and <laughs> collapsed on top of him. And you can tell me, oh, there's maybe like a tunnel underneath him. He's not surviving this. Like, there's no air pocket. He doesn't have a fire extinguisher. He doesn't put on like a mask <laughs> with the oxygen tank. Uh, he doesn't make it. Like, tell me, tell I mean, me I'm wrong.
1: Fair. You're not wrong. Fair point. But I would also argue. This volcano should have murdered everybody here. Like the fact that anybody is still alive after this big wall of fire comes and douses everybody, that in and of itself is like, okay, we have to suspend his belief and just understand that some people can survive this. Like to your point, again, if you know the world, you know Isildur lives because he becomes king and blah, blah, blah. Um, If you don't, maybe this is impactful because you don't know the backstory. So to a casual viewer, maybe it is a little bit more interesting. But I'd also argue, I just hate the kind of trope where they, you can't kill a main character without really showing them die. Like you can't kill a main character off camera because then you just know he's not dead. Right. So all of this is, is just playing on the emotions of Elendil and having him change his path and how he treats Galadriel after this realization.
0: Sure. Sure. I also like how quickly people give up on things in movies They're like, should we check and see God. if he's, like, I don't know, in a tunnel Or found an oxygen tank or And they're like, nah, building collapsed, he's done for, let's move on There was or no like, eminent
1: threat there too, right? It was still just hot and ashy, but there was yeah. no imminent threat
0: Yeah, in fact it probably cooled down a little bit when that barn fell, <laughs> uh, collapsed into itself uh, I'm not a firefighter, I'm not a fire doctor, I don't know but I do know that this also happens during like chases when someone's chasing another person and like it, they like trip and fall. And then they watch that person run away and they're like, Ugh. and then it cuts scenes and they're like back at the police station. You're like, no, he's not that much farther than he was a couple seconds ago. Like, get up and keep running. Like, why? The, I don't know. Shows always do that where they're like, and the chase has ended because he slipped on a banana. Uh, Speaking of bananas and slipping, we're back at the Harfoot migration. The Harfoots get to the grove, and boy, are they happy. They're like, oh, I smell campfire. Uh, And campfire is a great smell. Um, It's so peaceful to sit by a fire. These Harfoots are about to find out. Um, But nope, they get real sad because it's not a campfire. It's, I guess, some rock from the mountain that exploded. Are they within range of exploding mountain? Mount doom is that what's think, happening here i <laughs>
1: i like the idea of this because volcanoes can shoot like magma and rock like miles and miles away i like how they kind of intertwined the storylines a bit with this and how there's like a huge event on middle earth um and it doesn't impact just the people in the southlands um it's hitting the Harfoots, so it's kind of a loose way to tie that Harfoot story into the rest of uh what we got going on
0: sure sure we find out all the fruit is burnt or is that what's happening while they're all sad that they're pulling it off the tree I and just, it's been toasted
1: yeah i think that's the idea is that these bagba rocks whatever uh caused a like it's kind of small pockets of fire um i mean it did seem like it only caused it in a relatively small area you would imagine this grove would be bigger and there'd be more trees for them to sure. uh you know harvest but uh yeah fruit burnt
0: that's some poorly, poorly aimed rocks where they only hit the fruit bearing trees and all the other trees are, are seemingly fine. I also think it's a bit a little bit weird that these guys aren't like, oh, we just discovered dehydrated fruit and then they chopped it into slices and they put it in clear plastic bags and they sell it at uh, gas stations now. I don't know. It seems like a business venture that the Harfoots could join together, make some real cashola. <laughs> They get the stranger, I don't know, stranger walks over, he puts his hand on the tree, he starts shouting, and I'm going to guess Elvish, who knows, and uh, instead of fixing the tree, he crushes some poorly behaved girl who's unsupervised, which, I don't know if this is all the stranger's fault, to be perfectly honest.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they get very mad at the stranger here really quickly, but yeah, I think this is Dilly, is this Nori's sister, is her name? Or, or, sorry, I know her name is Dilly, but I can't tell if it's her sister or half-sister.
0: Tom, I've never seen this character before in my life. I have no idea who this little girl is. She she showed up to get crushed by a branch. She didn't. That's it. I have no idea. If I'm supposed to know who no, this she's... character is, you're also expecting me to know who those two elves were at the prison camp who got murdered. I'm, like, Unless it was like previously on, and there was a whole storyline about Dilly... <laughs> Uh, going to Dairy Queen to get a dilly bar. I don't know uh, anything about this character. I really <laughs> she don't.
1: She was in the caravan with the, uh, not the Harfots, what's their name? They're the Brandyfoots. Uh, she was in the caravan the entire time with his family. So she's a member of the family in some form or fashion. But I agree. Like So she just kind of runs out there. Uh, Nori saves her. Great. But then everybody looks upon the stranger like, you're a madman. You tried to like hurt this person. But again, stranger did nothing. Stranger's there trying to help. It is not his fault. And this is what ultimately gets him exiled of, you know, uh, Sadik eventually saying, hey, go find some big people and leave us alone.
0: Yep. Stop dropping tree limbs on uh, this <laughs> little girl, Harfoot, that no one's ever seen before. Yeah, I'm with you. Please take us away from there to Casa Doom. Uh Elrond is trying to make a deal with the king, Durin. And he's like, listen, you give us some mithril, we'll trade you some other stuff. I don't know, Tom, you're a trader. W- w- how did this deal sound to you? Would you have taken it?
1: Listen, as an avid player of Settlers of Catan, you do not pass up five centuries of timber and grain. That's just silly. You know how many roads, settlements you can build? Um, it's, it's a no-brainer.
0: The only thing I'm in on Catan is gathering those sheep, because there's stuff, there's comforts
1: so, that sheep so can awful. provide
0: you that all these other things can't. You know, you surround yourself with sheep, you're going to be warm all the time. You know, <laughs> it's like a living, it's like a living blanket having a sheep around you during the winter. You just drag one over on top of you, you're warm for <laughs> centuries. I don't know anything <laughs> about sheep or Catan. But I know I've played you in it, and uh, controversial statement, I think Settlers of Catan is just fine. Just fine. That's all I'll say here. (laughs) We find out that Elrond's a half-elf? Is this this something we were supposed to know? He's like, I'm Elrond, the half-elf? And I was like, okay, show. Thanks. We're on episode seven. It feels like you're telling me this as if it's supposed to be important, but... Why is it important? I don't know. I, di- I didn't understand this, but he's just trying. It's because I- he's
1: Sauron. Okay. Well, I'm playing I'm playing the game now. Okay. Anybody tells me something kind of half off, you're Sauron. Something's kind of half off? Sauron.
0: <laughs> yeah. I assume the teenagers that gave me the finger on the freeway the other day, they might be Sauron. That's kind of where I'm at in terms of who Sauron Did you and deserve who's not. It? I do... Here's the... I mean, I don't know. Let me talk positively about the show for a second. I really like the actor that plays Elrond. Like, I think he plays that mm-hmm. character very well. Um, the guy that plays King Durin, like, it's a little bit one note, but, like, he plays that character, like, really well. Believable. Mm-hmm. Love Prince Durin. Um, I like Princess Disa later on, where she gets all treasony during this episode. <laughs> it's great. Like, I... I just, I don't know. I almost feel bad uh, because of what they're given to work with. But uh, once again, just watching this scene, like it's it's fun. Um, and then he's obviously, they're asking for help. Sauron, otherwise known as Elrond, <laughs> the commander of the Sea Org, is there asking for help. Uh, Durin and his dad have a family meeting. Guess what? The dad yells because... That's I don't what think he yells
1: quite yet. Oh, he does yell eventually. On. Not in this scene. Not in this oh, scene. Come
0: on, <laughs> it's not a family meeting. Tradition. If the dad doesn't <laughs> yell, even if it's good stuff like "I'm so proud of you" <laughs> and "I love you," <laughs> and we will be going to Peter Piper Pizza later, you still have to yell it at him just so they, just so the kids don't get too comfortable. Um, we're releasing a parenting book it's the team binge parenting book Uh, you can email us directly I'll send you the loose leaf paper that I've bound with zip ties a lot of good secrets in there the king ultimately decides he's not going to risk dwarven lives because here's how I understand it Mithril is difficult to mine. they've beat me over the head with this it's difficult to mine. he doesn't want to risk dwarven uh, lives in order that the elves can cheat death I think he's making a good point here. He's like, hey, we're mortal and we do okay. Why can't they be mortal? <laughs> um, I'm kind on King Durin's side. Uh, thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, Prince Durin, even like after the sequence, he fights hard. He's like, hey, we can't let my friend die and all this stuff. But once he gets back and talks to Disa, and Disa is very upset about it as well, he even makes mention, like Prince Durin, like, I don't know, he might have a point. So I think he sees it to a point, but I mean, I don't know enough about like the elves to feel sorry for them because if they truly are just, they need Mithril or else they can't continue to be immortal. They just have to leave mortal lives like every other being on this planet. Um, Yeah, I wouldn't feel sorry for him either. And I wouldn't put um, his kingdom on the line for it. I also feel like it's kind of, I love their relationship in this, in this show, but, and, and we don't know how much time has passed since they kind of reunited after 20 years um, but seemingly the friendship butted right back up to where it left off. And I would argue 20 years is a very long time for a rocky friendship to now be hey, I've got to save this guy. He's my brother and, and all of this. So some of it feels a little unearned, but I love the relationship so much between this two that I'll let that kind of stuff slide.
0: Right. Well, to your point, has Deesa met him previously to these meetings because he wasn't at I don't the think wedding? So. And I don't think they met before, but she seems super upset. Angry, Disa says, mm-hmm. kind of terrifying. I'm just going to say that out <laughs> loud. Um, mm-hmm. But Elrond walks up. They look at each other. They give sad looks, and he realizes that his offer has been rejected and <laughs> that this automatically means he has to, like, leave and they're never going to see each other again, which I was like, (laughs) you're not going to die right away, man. It's going to take some (laughs) while for that leave disease to get on you. But here's the other thing. Like, the elves, okay, so they're immortal, but they go to the Grey Havens to sail to uh, the Undying Lands. I don't think this means they can't go to the Undying Lands. Like, just means they can't stay in Middle Earth longer, from what I'm mm-hmm. understanding. So can't they just get on their boats a little bit earlier? Hey, <laughs> you know, we sent Galadriel away. We can get on the same boats and get in our weird white uh, robes and sail to the Undying Lands. I, I, I don't understand the stakes here, um, I, but I'm with you. I, I appreciate the, the friendship aspect of this.
1: Yeah, I like the way the scene ends, too, where he's like, hey, don't say goodbye. And they, I think they even have like a word for it. Um, it's Namirie, which he kind of uh, means it's farewell. Uh, and then it kind of adds to it. It's like, you know, it's not just farewell. It's go towards goodness, which, again, I like that. Like they're adding some extra kind of like Tolkien flair and stuff to this relationship that I that I do appreciate.
0: Yeah, I've got that tattooed on my neck just so people know <laughs> that I go towards goodness. Next time I'm in prison. Mithril, oh, he slides that piece of fool's gold across the table. It happens to go by the diseased leaf, which was brought to the king to show how bad things are going. The leaf heals itself. Everyone gets super excited, which tells you they didn't believe him, or I guess there was no proof that Mithril actually did what it was supposed to do. And then I was kind of like, okay, well, just take that stone. It's not like that stone's going to run out. Just start rubbing that stone on everything, right? Rub it on your body like uh like an ivory spring soap bar, you know? I I Are we gonna run out of mithril stone? Like it didn't seem to deplete, right? Let's just use that little stone, well, he, problem solved.
1: Gilgalad made it seem like every like living elf needs a part of this, an essence of it. They to your point, they haven't done any sort of explanation as to what they're going to do. Do they grind it up and then snort it? Do they I don't know. Um, key it's strip? certainly that. Know. That's
0: the first option. Yes, Tom. You've, yes. <laughs> you grind it up, you cut it up with a credit card, and you snort it off a mirror. Yes, you're correct.
1: So so who knows? But I do have to ask, what do you think the over-under is on the amount of takes that uh, Duran had to slide that rock to have it stay right by the leaf? Because it, like, teetered on the edge when it came back in the cut they aired.
0: Oh, I think these guys are on set. Have been playing that football, that table football game where you're pushing a <laughs> triangle piece of paper, and you've just gotta. Yeah, I think they do it uh, all day. So one take. I think. I think this was a winner. This whole scene was a winner. <laughs> okay. Um, I. Here's what I'll say: is if you could solve this problem with that one stone. Whoever you give that one stone to, like, you really got to trust that person because he's going to be rubbing it on all the other elves. And you got to really think, like, <laughs> which guy do I want soaping up every one of our race that's not going to be weird about it? You know, um, you almost you almost need a blind elf to go and mm-hmm. be the Mithril soper of the whole race. I don't know. Is that weird? Well, maybe
1: a blind Numenorian.
0: That's know. fair. That's fair. We found some purpose here. See, when when God blinds someone, he opens a window. Or when he closes a door, he blinds. I don't know what the saying is. Maybe that's what it is. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. From there, we go to the Southlands. We got Theo and Galadriel, which is a buddy cop movie that I have been clamoring for my whole life. <laughs> Bad haircut and super cool character. Theo, all of a sudden, he like accidentally stabbed an orc during the battle, and now he's Rambo, uh, John Rambo. <laughs> um, he wants to fight. I don't like him. I, I, I don't like the character. Uh <laughs> Galadriel is like, oh, it's my fault and I don't know, they get into some discussions where I was just like, why are we stuck with these two? Can we can we move on? Which we do because we move on to Ellen Deal. <laughs> and this show does this to us 18 different times during this episode. Ellen Deal's kind of watching <laughs> like the people move through the forest. He's clearly looking for a silder, and there's a guy with a horse. And he's like, he like starts to smile because he thinks it's a Silder, but nope, it's not a Silder. And I thought it was comical.
1: Well, yeah, because he sees like Barak, right? The horse that has the very helpful for the audience, like scratch on his side. So he sees that that is a Sildur's horse and sees a guy with semi long hair. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a bummer. And hey, to your point, I, I didn't catch this. It didn't really. Uh, trigger me or anything but on the second watch this they do a lot of this like theo later in the little hospital mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of these these little kind of quick fake outs
0: yeah there's a scene in 30 rock where uh, jack Donaghy's in a art museum staring at a painting and liz lemon walks in and he immediately starts talking to her and she's like how do you do that He's like, well, to be honest, three other people walked in first. Uh, so he, like, started to talk to three other people, but they were the wrong people. I think I brought that scene up on this podcast before, but uh, anyway. It's a great scene. The Queen and Valandir show up, and they don't tell him the Sildur's dead. We, like, deliver that news off screen. So, to be honest, I don't even think we know if they've told him. They may have just been like, they're like... He's like, where is Isildur? And they're like, uh, well, I think he's hanging out in a burning house. We don't really know. But,
1: yeah. Yeah, he just repeats, like, Valendil just repeats, like, Captain, Captain, or whatever. Like, I don't know, gets that kind of teary-eyed look, and then Deal just kind of puts two and two together.
0: Yeah, they to your point, they kill him off-screen, and they also tell people that he's dead off <laughs> off-screen. So they double down yeah. on it. Um, They're almost like, at the end of the episode, he could have like popped into frame and they would have been like, oh, you know, we knew you were at that birthday party the whole time. Anyways, Gladriel and Theo talk. Uh, She gives him a sword for some reason. There is a part here where he like blames himself and she says something like, you can't choose to like put that on because you won't be able to like take it off or something. You You can't like blame yourself fully. Because it would Rid yourself of it. I honestly thought they were going to use that again. They didn't. I was very... I was very much, like, waiting for it. Because he's like, oh, it's my fault. And I wanted her to just be like, rid yourself of it. And him be like, okay, okay. And her to be like, also rid yourself of that haircut. And he's like, oh, but I kind of think it frames my face really well. And that's why she gives him the sword. She's like, cut your hair with this sword. Uh, we cut from there to Ellen Deal walking with the queen. He has got a sad look on his face, and then we discover
1: she's blind. Which, yeah, so this. Yeah, the way they shoot this is I thought kind of cool because I don't even think on the first watch I didn't put this together how she's just kind of like staring blankly forward and the way they do it I think it's kind of neat where Sildur kind of or not Sildur excuse me but Ellen Deal kind of ducks beneath the as he's walking the horse and then she just keeps like her eyes straight forward and almost hits her face right on the branch um, <laughs> so it kind of like makes Ellen Deal be like whoa what's going on here <laughs> would have been comical if she hit her face. <laughs> That's that's oh, like a uh, tight version.
0: I wish this show had the guts to go there <laughs> and just have Muriel clotheslined a uh, blindly clotheslined <laughs> off a horse and then just have Ballandeal or whatever his name is and Ellen Deal keep walking with the horse with no one on it.
1: <laughs> incredible.
0: <laughs> just incredible. Tom, you've done uh, a great job <laughs> pitching an idea where someone with a new disability gets wounded. Good work. Way to go.
1: Um, but this does have a callback to like the king. Is, is the king a soothsayer? Can the king see the future? Because he's the one that told his daughter before going to Middle-earth that all that awaits her there is darkness.
0: And oh, wow. Oh, wow. A literal darkness. Not just yeah, like not just bad evil. stuff are going to happen, but uh, well, yeah, I I think you're right. I think he knew this the whole time. He probably should have tried harder to keep her to stay home then. <laughs> Rather than say all that awaits her is darkness, he should have been like, listen, I know I was a little bit vague earlier, uh, but if you go, you will be blinded. And then I think Ash she probably would have been like, eyes. All right, well, Ellen Deal can go. And Ellen Deal will be like, I like my eyes. Uh,
1: yeah. I like so. my son. <laughs> I like my son. Assuming he knows that too.
0: Yeah, he's like, The king was like, Also, you, Ellen Deal, will never see the sun again. And Ellen Deal's like, I'm kind of a night guy, anyways. That's fine. I'll just, I'll just hang out. It. He's like, no, your son. You're never gonna see your son again. He's like, oh, S-O-N. man, the soothsayer is really putting out some confusing messages, right? And Muriel just like feeling his or- face. Anyways, all right. Oracles are cryptic. Yeah, you've got it. The only way prophecy works is if you're cryptic. It's the only way. The other way right, let's is get back to the. Go ahead.
1: Oh, go. What's the I was just going to say, the only way
0: prophecy works is to say it after it happens. That's the best way to be a prophet. <laughs> be like, listen, I knew this was going to happen. I was told not to tell anyone. But now that it's happened, I want you to know that I foresaw this happening. That's how you become a prophet. <laughs> Anyways, y- y- your-, your turn, Tom. Right, well,
1: let's let. Yeah, let's get back to the good stuff. Where do we go next?
0: We're in the grove. Where Saddock is sending the stranger away. He's like, hey, if you go that way, here's the star map. Good luck. These stars haven't been seen in thousands of years. We don't like big people, and you threw that limb on that new girl, so please leave.
1: <laughs> I feel like there is something we're supposed to take from this the idea that um, you had mentioned, like, Sadek has this book that is you know, apparently centuries old that are passed down from like Harfoot to Harfoot. Um, so I, I like the mention of. Yeah, this this is we haven't seen this constellation for thousands of years, and that's supposed to let us know that, again, like we still know nothing about the stranger, but there's certainly more to him. So, um, I thought that was kind of an interesting little line. Don't get anything from it, but
0: yeah, I don't know, I I don't know what we get from it. That has um, been my motto. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Nori gives the stranger an apple and. Then he leaves. And that's what happens. We go from there to the Southlands. Uh, Galadriel is talking with Theo about her her dead brother. And apparently a husband named Celeborn. Who they met dancing in a field. And she called him a silver clam in his armor. Before <laughs> he went off to, I'm assuming, the same war that her brother was killed in. And... Yeah, they have, I think this is supposed to be like us seeing two characters that have not met bonding, but it felt like I was being forced a pill I didn't want to swallow, I guess is where I'm at on this. Do we,
1: is this, uh from your limited background experience, is this a thing? Because she gets married later, right? Like she's married in the Lord of the Rings and has a, a husband, like a king husband, is Selborne like somebody previous it's just, it's just trying to give his backstory as this fan fiction
0: i know i know she's supposed to be married to a keleborn but when he dies or when they're married i i don't know i I, okay. I didn't get the impression that in the lord of the rings she had a she had a husband
1: um i thought she did i thought they were together in like the fancy chairs they're lunch. sitting next to each um, other in the chairs, chairs yeah, yeah i don't know
0: <clears throat> you know what maybe maybe mm? Maybe he didn't die. Maybe he was just gone and he returns later. I don't know. Um, For those of you Maybe a
1: fiery building fell on him.
0: Maybe. No, that's a Silder, Tom. That's not. No. No. Not everyone gets a fiery building, Uh, some get stabbed by orcs. Um, If you do know the answer to what we're pondering right now, please send money to the Red Cross. Theo tries, (laughs) oh, I guess I already touched on this. Theo tries to blame himself for uh, what happens. And Galadriel does make a comment here where she's like, listen, sometimes we just have to trust in the unseen designs of, you know, higher power. what's, What's created this world before us, which, you know, is a cool theme. It's said during this conversation and they don't dig much deeper than that but um this is the type of stuff like that that I'm looking for out of this show but we get it in such small glimpses that I don't know it maybe doesn't have the same impact
1: yeah I agree like this is the hope conversation right like yeah I know everything is dark right now you've lost your home you've lost everything and she's trying to kind of like console him um and gives him this hope speech about the powers beyond darkness um, which, again, ties back to conversations she had with her brother and having to find darkness before he could find the light. Again, cool stuff kind of going on here, but they just brush over it so quickly um, and so kind of haphazardly with these characters that it doesn't have the impact that I think the Lord of the Rings movies had.
0: Sure. And then the orcs show up. It's like, hey, we're going to have this quick conversation, and then, boom, orcs show up, and she's got to hold Theo back. Sometimes I feel like shows should not hold characters back. I feel like Galadriel should be like, all right, warrior, let's see what you got. I gave you the sword, go do it. And then we could just watch Theo get his hair cut repeatedly. Go get a
1: (laughs) ray. All (laughs) of those But this is like, speaking of the movies, this is definitely an homage to Fellowship, right? Like when the hobbits are hiding from the ring race and they're kind of like underneath a, a tree. Like the way I feel like it was shot was very cinematically... Uh, close to, to fellowship.
0: Sure, sure. I can see that. We go from Bad Haircut and Galadriel to Casa Doom, where Durin and Elrond are <laughs> mining. And this is fun. <laughs> uh, Durin's like, Oh, I bet you're real tired. I don't need a drink. That's why you lost the competition. And Elrond's
1: like, Ah, did I? Did I though?
0: Which is kind of a dirty thing to do. Like, that's just not nice.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of playful banter. And this is what I do love. I love these guys' relationship. It's fun. This whole sequence is fun. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind more of this. Like, this, if they're going to do a spinoff show, it is these two guys. Sure.
0: Do you think Elrond actually let him win? What do you, what do you think? Do you think this was uh,
1: purposeful? Do I you don't think, think so. I think Elrond could have gone longer, but I don't, know. I don't know. They make a little mention here, and I don't Maybe this is why he said he was half elf in the beginning to the king, because he makes mention of him being like, oh, you've got some elvish in you. And then uh, El- Elrond says back to him, like, oh, you've got some dwarf in you or vice versa. Right. So I don't
0: know. Right.
1: They have a bonding moment,
0: and then Durin's like, oh, we've all got secret names, which we only share with our parents. Our wives, our sisters, our brothers. And then they stare deeply at each other. And Elrond's like, hey, I don't think we're that close yet. Don't don't tell me. Save it. Tell me later. Um, Which, once again, like, I don't know. I don't need this. I know these two are close. Like, it's well acted. Once again, I feel like the actors carry Mm -hmm. some of the dialogue of this show so much better mm-hmm. where i don't even think we need this like i don't know is this going to come into play later i i i don't know i don't know why they needed it i know these guys are close i'm with you i enjoy this relationship um mm-hmm. but yeah the, the whole like don't tell me your secret name i don't know
1: yeah yeah why i didn't i didn't really get it either but i guess it begs a question i feel like we have to take some guesses like what do you think prince duren's actual name is if you had to guess what does he look like to you uh i know you don't see beards you don't see colors um but if you had to guess
0: yeah he's either a bruce or a julian
1: (laughs) you think he's a julian i was gonna go hank oh
0: yeah he looks like it yeah i could see hank one of those (laughs) strong names like bruce or julian um yeah All of a sudden, they make a hole in the wall, and we've got a bunch of Mithril running through. And then King Daddy shows up, and uh, you know, Elrond gets thrown out.
1: Uh, Yeah, I want to make note here when they do this scene and like look through the chasm that gets kind of created, this seems extremely easy to mine. Like, they've literally opened up this hole. If they can open up this hole slightly bigger, there's literally mithril on each side of mm-hmm. this massive canyon. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. just get some ropes, get a pulley system. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why it's now so dangerous to mine. Sure. And again, not a miner. Sure. Not a doctor miner, but.
0: Yeah. <laughs> For those of you that are professional miners, you can at Tom at Team Binge. <laughs> Uh, podcast at gmail.com or Adam at twitter or instagram really let him know how much he does not know about mining mithril <laughs> because i know a large contingency of our audience is out there every day doing the dangerous work of mining mithril so that tom and i can have shiny armor that we wear at home I don't think you could wear mithril in Arizona because as soon as the sun would hit it, I think we'd all just shrivel <laughs> and burn. I, I, yeah, I'm with you, man. It seemed like it did not seem like that difficult to punch a hole through the wall. It would not seem that difficult <laughs> to open that hole a little bit wider and go get that mithril. Um, but there is something hiding in that shaft of mithril, uh, which mm. we're about to find in a little while. I won't tell you what it is.
1: I don't think it matters here, but uh, Elrond, like they make a mention of like showing him opening up his hand and still having the Mithril shard like in his hand. So at some point he got it back from Durin. So again, I don't know. Is he going to go back and use this in some form or fashion with Gilgalad? Um, I don't know why they had to do an extra shot of him showing he has it.
0: Yeah, he's just going to go around town rubbing it on people, being like, "You're healed. Give me ten percent of your earnings. Call me Prophet Elrond." <laughs> I'll take all your Thetan levels down or something. I'll give you a Thetan reading. (laughs) You can have your own planet. I don't know. Anyways, uh, there's lots of yelling. This is the family meeting that we've all been looking for. King Durin and Prince Durin doing a lot of family meeting stuff. Booming voices.
1: yeah, this isn't the like, safest thing to do in a mine. Again, not a Dr. Minor, but you probably shouldn't be shouting at the top of your lungs in a mine.
0: Oh, once again, showing your ignorance. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't you remember when they sing to the rock so that the rock that's tells different. them where to dig? You don't think singing's loud?
1: Disa got pipes to quote you, <laughs> Thomas. Boom. Yeah, but that's like... That's resonance singing. This is a uh, family time meeting, yet, like, different. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a different octave.
1: Um mm-hmm.
0: Okay. I thought I team binged you right there, which is what we, <laughs> when you got you someone, we call it team binging here on the podcast. We've been using it for the whole time we've been doing this sad, <laughs> sad show. Um a uh, dead mom gets brought up, which is never a good thing to do during a family meeting. couple of rules about family meetings. Um, don't yell, which every family meeting already ruins that one. Number two is don't bring up dead relatives um, unless you're... No, don't bring up a relative unless you know they're still living. That's a wedding crashers rule. Rule number 37. Anyways, brings up a dead mom... Strips the Prince Dern of all of his princely things. This escalates real quickly.
1: And I got to be honest,
0: they're arguing a lot of bad communication here. Just like, calm down, talk this out. Like, I don't know. A lot of testosterone in the room, I guess.
1: Yeah, I like I do like kind of the scene though. Like I, I'm with you like once he kind of brings up the bomb like that, like opens up something in King Durin about like like how dare you bring her up and I think it's it's a fair assessment. Like Prince Durin probably shouldn't have gone there, but I think Prince Durin's got some good points. King Durin makes some good points. It's a it's a fair enough argument that they can kind of go back and forth on about, you know, Prince Durin not being able to have any sort of ambition, always getting locked down by the father so there's some cool elements in this and i again love the acting like you mentioned like that the king duran that actor is kind of one note here but he delivers it so so well that um it it makes the scene a lot more impactful than it probably has any right to be
0: did you think it was strange when they brought up the dead mom ellen deal stepped into the cave and went she drowned and then he stepped out of the cave (laughs) and it was just like they didn't even miss the beat they were just like all right i guess that guy's here now (laughs) <laughs> all right. Speaking of being here that now, we go to the Grove. The Harfoots, uh, it's a brand new day. Now all the trees are producing. Apparently the stranger really uh, seeded those trees with something that they're all uh, <laughs> growing and producing. Everyone's gathering stuff. And then those three weirdos that we've seen for half a second in one episode show up. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know what's happening with these three. These three feel like um, a ex machina type. I don't know. They just feel like an injection of something that doesn't fit. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that
1: yeah it's almost like they're sensing his magic like they go up to the tree they pull that flower that's growing off the tree which again that flower doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense growing on it but it's like all yellow uh it's a yellow flower on the tree and then as they walk there's like a patch of yellow flowers so i don't know if that's significant of anything but they clearly have some sort of bond with this magic like the way she grabs this fire here in a second and ends up burning like all of their wagons which is just terrible um, I, like, as I was watching this, to your point, like, they almost kind of feel like a MacGuffin or just, like, ex-Machina kind of type. I was kind of thinking that they maybe were good. Like, they're they're trying to make it seem like they're very evil, but they're actually just going to be misunderstood, and they're going to show up with a stranger and help him figure out and learn his powers and blah, blah, blah. But they are just pure evil here in, in the sequence. Maybe they oh. are Sauron.
0: Oh, I mean... I think it's a matter of like perspective, because these guys like look at these Harfoots, and they're like, oh, they all look a little bit cold. Let's give them fire. And so they set a bunch of <laughs> fires so that they can warm themselves. And they're also like, oh, they've got a bunch of raw foods they need to cook. What do you cook with? You cook with fire. So I think a case could be made, but by setting all of their homes and wagons on fire, that maybe they
1: were trying to do them a little bit of a favor. Yeah, maybe they heard, because didn't they want to make apple sausages? <laughs> Yes, apple. or apple sauce. Excuse me. No, apple
0: sausages. <laughs> apple sausages are delightful. Harfoot apple sausages. You can find them at all your Seven Elevens next to the dried fruit. We go from the convenience store to the Southlands. Ellen Deal is talking to Beric the horse because Beric the horse is unruly because everyone knows this is number one rule of Tolkien lore is that a horse and its rider, once they've (laughs) ridden together, they can feel each other's loins. I don't know. Did I use that term right? Once
1: they've created that tentacle bond. Yes. Yes. Once their loins have
0: touched yes
1: yeah at this point the way ellen deal is talking to beric and how beric is a little bit kind of like dark and mysterious here at this point i think beric might be sauron i don't know Just put, it out there. Just put it out there could be man he's got this little cut on him cut didn't seem to affect him at all seems like come sauron would do uh
0: tom i believe whoever you think is sauron it's your truth man you speak it it's your truth if you think Barak is sauron that's great I'm going to also say, I don't like the name Beric. It's like a weird, they're like... uh, (laughs) It's a weird horse name. Let's call that horse Derek. And they're like, no, 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 we can't have a Derek. And someone's like, what about (laughs) Beric? They're like, oh, I bet, I bet Tolkien himself would love it. Uh, The horse horse runs away. Thank God. Seabiscuit.
1: Those are better horse names.
0: Seabiscuit. This horse uh, wants nothing to do with the show, so it runs away. <laughs> and why do you yeah. think
1: the horse runs away? I mean, I mean the, the assumption is it's running after and it's gonna save a right? Like this is gonna be a la Aragorn's horse coming and saving him after Aragorn falls off the, the mountain into the water.
0: Yeah, which it's like Ellen Deal knows Barric is feeling a Like he's the one that taught them this. So he should be like, mm-hmm. What is it? What is it, Barric? What is it? What is a silder?
1: <laughs> he's fallen
0: into the well, he's on fire at the bottom of a of a barn yeah let's go like i don't know i just i feel like he taught his kid something and then he was like oh that's a bunch of bs i'm not gonna this horse is just a horse it doesn't (laughs) feel anything yeah i don't know which again
1: like very good point this is where this the lazy writing kind of comes in like if they would have given this maybe a second pass in the writing room you would have figured yeah maybe this doesn't make the most sense we could have went about them establishing this horse relationship better Right.
0: He's not even like, oh, Barrack, you're sad about a Silder. I'm sad about a Silder, too. Like, be free. Go. <laughs> be rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> he just grabs the horse on both sides of its face, <laughs> looks it in both eyes, and is like, be rid of it, Beric! And everyone's like, oh, I guess that's the uh, Ellen Deal family crest. Be rid of it. Our family crest is we suffer silently or be rid of it. Those are. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have that stenciled on the wall of our kitchen and living room just so my wife can yell at me and I can be like, love it, be rid of it. Or suffer silently. Both apply. you know, the stencils are on the house. <laughs> suffer silently. Um, all right, uh, Ellen Deal is, oh, he makes some comment. I should have never brought that elf here. I should have left her on a raft. I don't know. There's a lot of things that like led up to a silder dying. I don't know that you can really blame Galadriel, but I guess that's... I, I don't know. Grief takes strange turns sometimes. Uh, mm-hmm. Galadriel and Theo show up at this encampment. Theo goes to the hospital. He walks in. He sees the back of a dark-haired woman. He taps her on the shoulder. She turns. It's a man in a wig. He then looks over to another <laughs> corner He sees another dark-haired woman. He walks over. He slaps her on the rear end. It turns. It's a horse in a woman's wig. And then he walks over to a dead body. He pulls the blanket. It's an orc in a dark wig. And then his mother hugs him. Like, that's what happens in this scene, essentially. Like, I I was like... (laughs) They brought in one writer And he was like He's like the reveal guy He's like the fake reveal guy And he's just like Listen What about in this scene He thinks this is his mom But it's not And they're like Didn't we do that In like four other scenes And the guy's like I'm sorry Do you have a daytime Emmy Did you write for Days of Our Lives Uh, Also Theo's probably got amnesia And they're like I don't know That's too much Ugh
1: oh Oh, man that was that was very well delivered and i agree the scene was a bit frustrating and like even when the mom comes and hugs him and then he sees like aaron deer in the in the corner and he goes gives his new big stepdad a big hug like i audibly laughed out loud when this happened i was just like really (laughs) and aaron deer
0: looks him straight in the face and theo's like dad and aaron deer's like don't call me dad (laughs) And also, we just met like one time before this, so why are we hugging? Thank God we cut from there, and uh, Queen Galadriel is blindfolded now. um, Queen Muriel. I'm sorry, Muriel. I queened Galadriel too early. Uh, People are throwing uh, apples at her, and she's cutting them with a sword. And someone's like, use the force. Uh, So now she has the force, and she's blindfolded. Galadriel shows up, they have a conversation, Galadriel takes all the blame, Muriel touches her face, and then is like, listen, before all of these people, (laughs) and no one has the heart to be like, you're actually standing on a mountaintop, there's no one around. Um, (laughs) Elendil could take these other people aside and be like, listen, you know that vow she made to everyone? We're just going to pretend like it didn't happen, we're going to take her home. (laughs) And guess what? She's not going to be able to voyage back here because she can't see. Um, <laughs> anyways, Muriel vows to kill the enemy and come back. And this really upsets Ellen Deal. Ellen Deal, uh, there's a couple of times where Muriel talks to Ellen Deal and he doesn't respond. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a mean thing to do to a blind <laughs> person, like to be that close and ignore him. Uh, I don't think that's right. Um, yeah.
1: This this to me was, again, you mentioned it like how people deal with grief and sorrow, loss of a son, like tremendous. But the idea like did they just think they were going to come in swift victory? We're going to just kind of come in with our horses, do do do, get out of here, and everything's going to be great. Like to not expect some sort of like loss and tragedy and stuff like when you are fighting in a war is silly. And if anybody's going to know that, it should be allen Deal. I get that there's grief and there's sadness, but to just turn on a heel so quickly on Galadriel and now seemingly his queen um, just again doesn't seem earned
0: sure sure I am um, no I'm with you I guess uh, there's a difference between being stabbed to death in the eye by an orc and being randomly killed <laughs> by an exploding mountain and I feel like one apparently is worse for other people I don't know <laughs> I also think there's like this turn of Ellen Deal where he looks sad and the camera cuts to him. And it's just awkward. It was like a weird shot and it ends. It's like a weeping cry. Yeah, Yeah, and I I don't know. It just doesn't, it didn't hit me. I was like, all right. So we move on to the grove. The Harfoots are rebuilding and we get this speech from Nori's dad. About Harfoots and how they always (laughs) stick together and they just keep walking. And I wanted to be like, you guys are the ones that like leave people on the road. You've got a whole thing like (laughs) put them in the back of the caravan. We leave them like we'll say their name like that one guy that fell into the bee patch or tried to harness the bees to his cart. We like didn't help him. (laughs) We let him die. Like, I don't know. He's like, we are so loyal, we never give up on each other. You remember Samwise Gamgee? And they were like, no, 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 that, that, hasn't, that hasn't happened yet. We're, <laughs> we're like before that. And he's like, okay, well, remember all those times we left all those people that we named in that ceremony behind on the road? We're loyal. I don't know it was well
1: and we had mentioned this I think when they were doing that like they're trying to have it both ways with the Harfuts and saying like these are the nomadic people that stay together no matter what and like they're multiple times where they're leaving people behind that they should be staying together and helping out you can make the argument that they're doing this to survive which is fair but don't keep beating me over the head that these people are all about togetherness when they leave people constantly behind Right. And aren't afraid to admit it. Right. Aren't afraid to admit it. <laughs> and
0: then Nori's like, great speech, Dad. I'm going to go find the stranger. And they're like, oh, you can't go alone. And Poppy's like, she's not going alone. I'm going with her. And then Poppy like runs into the river. And Nori's like, no, <laughs> Poppy, you can't swim. And then... Um, Nori like is sink or Poppy is sinking, and then CGI hands (laughs) claps together, and Nori pulls Poppy out of the water, and then Marigold decides to go, and they need a road maker map guy, so Sadik's going and I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. The only thing I (laughs) care about is when Lenny Henry or Saddock goes, we're all going to die anyways, and then walks off. That's probably (laughs) the best line ever delivered by any Harfoot ever. They give the dad the big trailer speech about them all sticking Mm -hmm. together. Give me Saddock going, it doesn't matter, we're all going to die anyways. (laughs) That's, that's... That's also being stenciled uh, in our living room. It's gonna say it's gonna say we suffer silently and I don't care we're all gonna die anyways. Those are the oh, those man. are the house words.
1: Just like this is the other thing I didn't like about this sequence is you have Sadik turning to like Malva. Like Malva kind of says this thing like, listen, I'm not proud. Um, I'll say when I was wrong. You know, she was right all along. You need to go with her. But like this is the same person that, like, and Sadek turns to her and says, like, oh, man, it would be nice if you weren't right all the time. <laughs> this is the same woman that suggested taking the wheels from the <laughs> Fitz cart and leaving them for dead. Yeah. So she's the one that's always right. Like, it's just, like, come on. Yeah, she's the one that's uh, like,
0: hey, you know the rules. They are supposed to be de And he's like, <laughs> well, you know, not in this case. But... And, She's also like, it ain't living good if we're not good at living or something. She has some <laughs> yes, weird was, phrase. Yeah. And you're, you're like,
1: uh, Malva? I don't know. I liked like it better Buffett when all the cars were on fire. What's up? <laughs> it sounds like it to be like a Jimmy Buffett concert. You're not good living unless you're living good. Yeah. Little, 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 little. yeah. Cheap repair our ass. It's
0: six o'clock I think somewhere. I got that right. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Uh then we're in the Southlands. Gladria finds out Halbrand's alive once again. I honestly <laughs> when they were like when they were like, "Oh, you haven't heard? I had forgotten Halbrand even existed." When they went into the tent and it was Halbrand, I was like, "Oh yeah, he's a character. I forgot I forgot he was in the show and that I was supposed to care about this guy." I know that's not a popular opinion. Like I don't mind this character. I think the actor's great, but like they have not given us enough of Halbrand for me to like love him like Aragorn. Like
1: yeah, it's all I, the haunted past stuff. They haven't I, given anything for us to latch onto.
0: Yeah, and they I don't know. Uh he's lying on his deathbed and then next scene he's walking. He's just like, Oh, oh these oh no, no, no. This is just tomato juice. I ran into this guy, he had a squash tomato in his pocket. <laughs> We bumped into each other. Guy was really upset. I had to go find him a different tomato. Told me I broke it. I didn't think he I, I actually didn't think I broke it. I think he tricked me. Um, I, I don't know. He's All the people cheer. They're like, uh, strength to the king. I've, oh man. I've seen Halbrand more than those people in that village, and I'm not cheering for him.
1: Like, what, what is going on here? Ugh. Yeah, it's not. It's not great, Julian. Um well and don't forget you have that one <laughs> sequence you, where Tom. <laughs> Tom. Tom's, Tom's like consoling a child.
0: <laughs> Tom's Tom's like Al Michaels in the booth after he's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not great, Julian. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for handling me with kid gloves. I appreciate it. Well, <laughs> oh man. You're a wonderful Well don't person. forget that
1: Gladriel he gave uh or Theo's trying to get the sword back to Galadriel, and she's like, keep the sword, soldier. <laughs> like, that was another lie, and I'm just like, ugh. This kid's not a soldier. This kid's going to, yeah. unless he's cutting his hair with this, he yeah. doesn't need this They're like, She's like, sword.
0: what is your rank? And he's like, I'm not a stable sweep. Uh, <laughs> I'm like a punk teenager? Stable- and she's like, ah, punk teenager. One day you will rise <laughs> to be a teenager.
1: I don't know. It's he's assistant to the stable sweep right now. To well, the stable um, sweep but, is missing. <laughs> stable sweep's dead,
0: yeah. so he's going to get promoted pretty quickly. <laughs>
1: um, but did you get, a, I know you just mentioned you didn't realize Halberd was still a character, so maybe you didn't get this, but to me this is just incredibly suspicious, the way they do this. Like, oh, they found him on the trail. He wasn't, you know, around when anybody else was kind of, you know, trying to escape this fire his injury is something that specifically requires like Elvish medicine. So like he's g- using this as an excuse to kind of potentially go with, um, Galadriel. Um, I, I also, this made me think that he was the one that freed Adar or Adar. Cause we, we saw Adar just Houdini himself out, but we don't know exactly how he got out of his shackles. My impression is like, this is him. Halbrand is the one that put him out of his shackles and, I don't know in what sense that they're working together, but I do feel like there's some sort of, I, I think that I think that it wants us to ask these questions and whether it's just doing this as a MacGuffin and pushing us in a direction, um, this is what, what I still think. I'm still pulling on the How Rand is Sauron officially strings.
0: So you think Halbrand is the Jasper of this show and that he freed Adar. And so when he is threatening Adar... And we think, oh, we think Adar like hurt his family. It's because Adar hurt him as Sauron. Now he's back. And so when he's gonna spear Adar, that's literally his anger at being betrayed by Adar. That's that is your I don't, Tom again. I think that's brilliant. And I think <laughs> you should probably submit a script or some sort <laughs> of writing sample to Amazon and I hope they give you a billion dollars because I think you're giving this show a lot more credit than what it's what it's doing. Um Well, I
1: feel like it has. Like I the overall story beats I think are fine. It's just like all the little stuff in between that is just so laughable and that's what I think maybe frustrates me the most with this show because they have such great source material. I think the idea of kind of doing a who's who of Sauron is kind of fun and it gives people that are already true fans of the series a little bit more to kind of sink their teeth into and some extra mystery, I think is fun. Um, but I, I still think that they're, they're pushing the Hellbrand. brand. Um, and I think there's things that potentially going back and looking at it um, or rewatching this season after season two, three comes out, there's going to be these kind of things that you can read between the lines and take interpret different interpretations of how Halbrand is treating these scenarios. in in my current opinion.
0: Okay, I hope you're right. I hope they did do that. And it is, they're playing the long game. Um, All I can say is I saw both of these showrunners on like a magazine cover and they both looked really happy. And one of them was dressed like Neo from The Matrix. But after he's like in The Matrix with like a, (laughs) leather overcoat and those weird tall boots and I was like I don't know if you guys know what's happening in your own show but you don't deserve to look like Neo that's kind of where I'm at but I hope you're right Tom I hope and we should all extend that much grace until the season is over I mean it's the same thing with Outer Range we were dogging on Outer Range and then man they tied it all up at the end they really nailed (laughs) that finale they answered all of our questions Um, They didn't leave us confused. Uh, Yeah. Casa Doom. uh, Disa is yelling and suggesting some light treason. Um, (laughs) This leads to some lovemaking, which most light treason typically does. Um, For those of you that are in loving, committed relationships, um, I know those of you that aren't wouldn't do any lovemaking because of the good book. But... um, (laughs) I do recommend some light trees and role play. Uh, It really spices up um, the old uh, kissy-kissy is what we call it in this house. Um, Anyways, Deesa's great. Deesa in this episode is like batting or kicking a thousand, as we like to say in the lasso Mm -hmm. world. She's like... Give her an axe, and I think she would just butcher everyone in every cave possible. (laughs) But yeah, she's really upset at King Durin. Um, And then the leaf goes through the hole and unleashes the Balrog. Tom, um, as the lore guy (laughs) and the Balrog expert,
1: explain to me what the hell happened. This is another thing that... if. You know, people that know the source material is like, cool, we get a Balrog. And they kind of teased the Balrog already, right? Because they showed him fighting some mysterious elf character that caused all the Mithril spike right. to kind of go down. And they also show uh, one in um, the
0: beginning, like wars between Morgoth and the elves. There were uh, no, they? Okay. Balrogs in that. There were Balrogs uh,
1: setting eagles on fire. And I don't know how Balrog is it a balrogs are like a are they like a race of being like orcs and elves and multiple or is balrog like a proper name like this No is I no they're they're
0: a they're a uh, there are multiple balrogs from what I understand There's like Jim okay. the balrog okay. Jeff the balrog they're of course <laughs> brothers um sorry Jim's christian <laughs> name is James Balrog but he goes by Jim Jimmy to his friends, and then there's Jeff Balrog. Yes, that's the Balrogs okay. that I know about. Um, no, Jeff used...
1: Balrog is the one that paid for the show. Correct.
0: Yes, Jeff Balrog and his ex-wife did pay for the show. They each own half mm-hmm. of it since the divorce. Yes,
1: gotcha. So, but again, I like the like the idea of this of giving us more like evil in the world and all that kind of stuff. But I unless i'm wrong like this balrog doesn't show up until very 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 later in the series in the sequences right uh doesn't it just kind of sit there for a long time like i don't know what the sequence of events is for this balrog to eventually get uh released well Um, i think
0: the in lord of the rings the lore is that the dwarves delved too deep at mm kaza doom and they unleashed a Balrog, which led to the demise of everyone in Khazad-dûm. But okay. this series is taking place, I think, thousands of years before Lord of the Rings. So it seems strange mm-hmm. that we would reach the point where the Balrog is going to kill everyone in Khazad-dûm. So, I, I don't know. I I don't know.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Yep. You don't know? I
0: don't... Tom, I don't know. I'll, I'll walk you into the kitchen where it's stenciled on the wall. Um, I don't know. We suffer in silence and light treason leads to lovemaking. Those are the things that are stenciled on the wall in the kitchen.
1: All right. Good to know. Kissy kissy.
0: Kissy kissy. That's in the bathroom <laughs> actually. Um, all right. Balrogs to the Southland. Adar's back. Uh, Adar is talking with is Waldrick still alive? Waldrick is Waldric is a survivor. I'm pretty sure Waldrick's mm-hmm. who he's having this. Waldrick's probably Sauron, because Waldrick just can't be killed. And by How all great means, would that
1: be? He's,
0: he is an uh, elderly gentleman in a time where I don't think they have a lot of medicine for the elderly. Um, mm-hmm. But is like the Southlands. It's no longer called the Southlands. I know you think I paused there because like there was supposed to be a line, (laughs) but in the show, there's no line. The camera just rotates and then the title pops up and then they change the title like that was a better choice (sighs) than him just saying Mordor like this was a it was funny. This was very weird to me, like super weird.
1: I'm watching this scene play out and when it's cutting to him and he says like, it's isn't the Southlands anymore. I'm like, Oh, he's going to say it's now Mordor. I'm like, okay, that's going to be kind of cheesy, but then he never says it. And then it cuts to the little like, you know, graphic that pops up. Uh, and all I could do was just laugh. Like I-, I thought it was incredibly silly and cheesy. Just, just have him say the line, have him say Mordor out loud. If you don't know the source material, then what is Mordor to you? Like, Mordor doesn't exist. If you know the source material, you already know this is Mordor. So, like, I don't know if it's bringing any sort of, like, cool reveal to either audience.
0: Do you think it's because the character's name is Adar and Mordor, and those names are so close that they thought we as an audience were just like, wait, what did he say? Did he say the land's now Ador? Or Mordor? What? And like then we got to hit the 30-second back button, and then we have to watch more of this episode, <laughs> and then we just get sadder and sadder. Um, I Yeah, this was weird. This was weird. Two people in my house were watching this. I was one of them. I won't name the other person. Uh, but we were both like, this is weird. And it didn't lead to any kissy-kissy. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so that was episode seven, Tom. We're gonna do episode eight. We're committed to mm-hmm. episode eight. They they can't <laughs> stop us. We've got one more episode here. We've got one mm-hmm. more episode. Do we think they're going to like answer the Sauron question? Because that seems to be the big That seems the big question. And, and to your point, I think on the last pod is like that's what they were like hitting us with on this one is like evil's mm-hmm. gonna be revealed. But was evil
1: revealed during this episode? There wasn't. Like, un- unless they're saving it for episode eight, like, all the marketing seems to lead towards, yes, we're going to know who Sauron is is at the end of this season. But I would argue you shouldn't. Like, if it's Hallbrand, if it's any other character we've met, I don't think they've done enough to lay the groundwork for that mystery to be satisfying. So I'm almost kind of hopeful they don't. Same thing with The Stranger. Like, if you end the series and say, "Oh, the stranger is Gandalf," the stranger is Sauron, or the stranger is you know X Y Z character, I don't, I don't know if it's going to pay off. But I almost feel like you kind of need to at least give us one of those. So I mean, my 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 guess would be they're going to give us who Sauron is and some sort of like wink or nod or heavily implication. But otherwise, I don't know. How they're going to bring all the storylines together for a satisfying season one conclusion? Because all of our characters are still kind of off doing their own thing. We have the Harfoots now going on a brand new journey, so who knows what's going to happen there. Um, Numenorians are going back to Numenor. Like I, I don't, I don't know what we're going to see in this last one.
0: I wonder if the reveal of the Balrog was the. Like evil revealed. Is that where they like they got cute? Where they were like, "Oh, everyone's wondering who Sauron's going to be," but at the end of this episode, we're going to show a Balrog. And uh, I don't know. I, I I wonder if I wonder if that's what they were doing, and that's why they feel like they could justify that marketing ploy. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it would be cheap if it is. Yeah, for sure.
0: Well, that like that those those were the um. Like, during Thursday Night Football, it was like, um, rings of power, evil will be revealed. And it's like, evil wasn't revealed. We don't know who Sauron is, but a Balrog showed up because he hates well, leaves. They,
1: uh, <laughs> I think what they were doing is like in the, the, the final two episodes, evil will be revealed. I don't think they were specific to this one. But again, I don't know if I'm just giving the marketing department more credit or, uh, you know, whether we'll see more, but... You know, time will tell. We've got, you know, a couple days until we get the uh, finale, and, and we'll see uh, see where they go. But do you have any, like, predictions as of now? Do you not care about the mystery? you wanted to see it play out?
0: Listen, there's nothing in the world I care more about than the mystery of this show. Here's what I think they're going to do. When they're, like... Because they're not going to have someone, like, verbally say who Sauron is, much like they didn't verbally say what Mordor was. They're just going to do a title mm-hmm. screen. And it's going to have Sauron scrolled across the bottom. But because it's Amazon and they have the technology, they're going to turn everyone's TV into a mirror. And so you're going to be looking at yourself and it's going to say Sauron. And it's going to be just like when G.K. Chesterton answered that newspaper where the newspaper asked the world, what's wrong with the world? And his response was, I am. That's what's going to happen. We're all going to have to look in the mirror and realize that we're all Sauron.
1: Wow, the Black Mirror. Wow, that was that was heavy. I yeah, like
0: it. it's pretty deep. That's what happens when you listen to the Team Binge podcast. You get deep, and <laughs> Julian goes on rants about shows that are awesome. All right, Tom, let's talk about shows that are awesome or media that we're <laughs> engaging in right now that we are enjoying outside of this lovely show. I will let you go. I will will let Beauty go before Ugly. Go ahead. You go first. What are you enjoying right now?
1: Um, A show that me and my wife have been watching on Hulu that's been a lot of fun to binge because I think we've watched them pretty quickly. I don't think they're all out, but it's The Patient uh, on Hulu. So it stars one Steve Carell um, and I'm blanking on the other guy's name, uh, Domhall Hall Gleason. So he's a guy that's in like the Star Wars series. He was in Ex Machina. Oh uh, yeah, a of Ex stuff. Machina. See yeah, if yeah. you recognize him. Um, but uh, really cool show. Um, it, the uh, premise is uh, Dom Hall Gleason's like a serial killer, and um, Steve Carell is his therapist, and he kidnaps his therapist as a means to try to like get him from stop killing people. Um, so they kind of have this very interesting back and forth. Um, the dynamics are really interesting, and they do a really cool uh, backstory with with Steve Carell's character. So, haven't finished it all. I think there's like six or seven episodes out, but when we watched them, we wanted to just keep watching the next one. It's cool. nice too because it's one of those like twenty five minute episodes uh, shows, so you can kind of get through them pretty quick. Oh man! So uh, I, I recommend that. Give it a give it a go.
0: How great is a twenty two to twenty five minute show? That's why I <laughs> welcome to Wrexham, those episodes that are twenty two to twenty five. <laughs> right. Man, are so good. And uh, that's why Bluey at seven minutes is so good. Um, <laughs> so true. I have not given that a go, Tom, but I have seen it. And I do like when Steve Carell's in like more dramatic stuff, because I think he's mm-hmm. like a phenomenal, underrated, uh, dramatic actor, even though he's known yeah. for, obviously, The Office. But um, on Netflix right now, depending on when you're watching this, if it's in The Year of Our Lord... The uh, fourth quarter of 2022, Mr. and Mrs. Smith is on Netflix. It is Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt in a fun, like, action flick. I think we've talked about this before. It's, it's just, if you haven't watched it, watch it. Vince Vaughn is the sidekick doing all of the Vince Vaughn stuff. He lives with his mom. Like, it's great. Uh if you haven't seen it, watch Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It is uh a lot, a lot of fun. Have you seen Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Tom?
1: I have. It is a a very fun, fun film for sure.
0: Good good time. Probably no more than I'm gonna say a hundred minutes, and you'll enjoy every one of them. Anyways, thanks for joining us. If you have um I don't know, gripes or complaints, you can reach Tom at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter, I believe, and then Tom still won't give me the stuff for the Instagram because he knows what I'll do with it. (laughs) And the last one is uh, MySpace. You can be one of our eight friends. I've been Julian.
1: (laughs) And I've been Tom. Namariye, everybody.